This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. on for the corner. Bender! What an arrival for him. Arsenal lead again. A super substitution from Arsene Wenger. A first Premier League goal for Nicholas Bentner. It's 2-1 to the Gunners. Hello and welcome to Series 2 of In Lockdown. We hope you enjoyed our first series back in the spring and we've got another great lineup of guests this time around. This series is brought to you by our friends at Lavazza and what a show we've got to get things started. Because today we're in lockdown with Nicholas Bentner, whose revealing new book, Both Sides, is out now. His autobiography really is everything you'd hope for from a player who was never far from the headlines during his 10-year association with the club. Published by Octopus Books, It's available to buy now, online and in shops. This is part one of our chat with Nicholas, so we'll tell you all about part two at the end of the episode, and also about how you can subscribe and help the pod. So yeah, as I say, congratulations on the book, Nicholas. You must be really proud of it. What what reaction has it had so far? I know it's not been out long. Well, um, I've had really positive feedback. Um, people are mostly impressed about my honesty, about uh, both life on the pitch, but also off the pitch. And I think it gives a clearer view of uh, life in, in football as a general, from being a young kid to becoming a young adult. Um, so it's been a little nerve-wracking. I'm, I'm quite, quite, quite proud and pleased with the with the outcome and I hope people will, will take it in and see it in that aspect that it should be uh, be seen in. Yeah, I mean, it's very honest, certainly, as you say, and there's, you, you don't spare any details. I guess your your lawyers might have been quite nervous, were they, when they read through it? <laughs> we, we, we checked it all up uh, to make <laughs> yes. sure that everything was in order, so... Uh, so. They couldn't come anyone after me. <laughs> I mean, you cover so much from your childhood, gambling, partying, love life, runnings with the law, national team. But of course, we want to concentrate on your your Arsenal career. Um, and it's clear 
quite early on that you're you're a big Arsenal fan, even as a kid. And, and in the book, you say that you don't know why you're so into Arsenal, or, and are you even supposed to know why your heart beats more for one thing than another? And that's before you've even had any contact with the club. So, do you feel that maybe it was it was fate, destiny that brought you and Arsenal together? I think it might have been. I think when I was uh, 16, I played an under 16s tournament with the national team. And I had very many offers to go to the greatest clubs in the world, but my heart beat on Arsenal. So I wanted to come and check out Arsenal first. And on my first uh, encounter, I spent a lot of time, obviously, with uh, Liam Brady. Mm. I met uh, Patrick and I, uh, I met Wenger and I uh, did a little training session with Neil Banfield. And um, from that moment, the other clubs I had scheduled to visit sort of just uh, became thin out to me because I, I knew that this was the right place for me to be. And you said that in your bedroom as a child, you had posters of Thierry Henry and Robert Perez. And then soon enough, you're in the same dressing room as them. That must. What was that like for you um, as a young aspiring footballer to to be suddenly in this huge club alongside these huge players? Well, my whole wall was plastered with with football players. I sort of dedicated one wall to like a lot of different players, um, and obviously all all the greats, um, and sort of meeting those people that you have looked up to and and sort of wanted to trying to build the same life that they had built without knowing anything other than than your love of football was quite an amazing experience. Um, I remember the first time I got called across to train with the first team as being something special in particular. And just seeing that invincible team with, I mean, so many winners uh, was, was something really inspiring and something to look up to. I don't think at the time I appreciated as much as I do now. Because you don't have the experience as a young kid other than admiration. Um, mm. So that's something, obviously, that come, came on a later uh, stage. We're going to talk about your, your confidence that we all, we all remember you for having. But as a teenager, <laughs> <laughs> we will come on to that. But I please think one please of the... don't bring the story up where I scored uh, 11 out of 10 because I don't know how that ever came out there. Well, that's that you mentioned that in the book, don't you? That that was, I was going to ask you about that. Um, but just but just to have confidence in your own ability, which you obviously you need as a young player, and playing in that dressing room because I guess it can go two ways. You can be intimidated um, and not show you what you can do, or you can think, "Yeah, I belong here," um, and that's what you did, isn't it? Is that what you you felt? I, I should be here, and I can play alongside these players. Well, in football. For me, well, football for me was everything. That's all I ever wanted uh, since I was a kid. So, obviously, training with with the first team and seeing what your life could be as a player um, gave you a lot of inspiration. I obviously, as a young kid, didn't felt I belonged there. I just knew that this is what I wanted. Um, it gave me a lot of blood on my teeth um, to try to break into the team. Um, but I mean, it, it wasn't wasn't easy, and it it wasn't a, as clear path of, as it could have been. But um, I managed it, and, and I'm really proud of being able to break through that barrier of going from the youth team to the reserves to the first team. Yeah, 
And then um, when you got to the first team, you were, well, I think this is when you were training quite early on, a story you mentioned in your book, um, training with Thierry Henry, and you had a bit of a row, didn't you? A, a game of two touch in training, and you gave as good as you got. Can you tell us about, about that story? <laughs> it, it, it's actually a funny story, uh, and, and, and I think that's why I, I had to mention it, because it, it was a, a quite important moment, because it, it showed me a lot about being humble, and, and understanding because from the background I came from, it was more, if someone says something, you know, you, you would, you would sort it out right then and then, and you would, you know, you would be fair, but, uh, but you wouldn't, you wouldn't hold back, you know, you would, mm. you would stand up for yourself. Um, but Cherry obviously showed me a lesson, gave me a lesson, if you can say it like that. I mean, this is the guy who's been, Assistant and scoring most goals. He's got legendary status in the Premier League and in Arsenal. Um, but the fact wasn't what happened on the pitch for me. The fact was that he managed to sit down and talk with me after. Uh, that that just showed me a lot more to him than I could expect and knew about him at the time. Yeah. So he he told he, he I said I think in the book you say he he sat you down and, and spoke to you for two hours about what it means to to be at Arsenal and, and a, a young player at Arsenal. Did that have a big effect on you at that at that time? Then it definitely had a big big effect on me. I mean, the fact that he could do that and then still say, "But you will get punished." But but he would he would tell me what it what it's like to be part of a team and it's part to be to be at Arsenal and what it means. Um, obviously, gave me a lot. Yeah, and and people might forget how just how young you were when you came over. The first time you've come over to London, you're still a teenager and moving away from home. Tell us what that was like. You lived with Cle- uh, Clem Catini, of course, didn't you? In in Diggs. Um, yes. Was it a bit of a shock off the pitch? I'm not talking about the football now. Just you know, your your life has completely changed almost overnight, hasn't it? Well, I was quite lucky at 16 that I managed to get in with uh, Anna and Clem, uh, two amazing people who really helped me uh, during my time. But sure enough, it's difficult to leave all your friends, leave everything behind to go chase your dream. And there is also that very important uh, moment in my life when I'm with Liam Brady in the office telling me that maybe this isn't working for me then to bounce back and sort of then go on a positive note from that moment. Um, So... It's fair to say that I didn't. It didn't hit off straight away. The first six months was very difficult, um, and I think that would be for any young young boy or teenager who comes over. Yeah, because you were, um, I don't know, a tear away. I suppose I could say back at home as a teenager, you were, as you admit yourself, you were, you were live wire. You always were up to something. And now, were you finding a bit of discipline, maybe a little bit difficult to take when you moved to Arsenal? Um, I think that I had to. I, I was quite lucky with uh, with Neil Banfield and Steve Gold that I had two two coaches that that gave me a lot of time, uh, gave me a lot of praise, and sort of had had been there for for many years. So they they helped me uh, a lot to understand what it's like to to be a young boy and everyone's dream, and also teaching me the way of of Arsenal, the way they play, and 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 how to to fit into that system. Yeah, you mentioned training, playing the Arsenal way, and you seem to really take to that. You really like that, didn't you? The way that training was organised at Arsenal. Oh, I mean, the training sessions were amazing. I can't, I can't remember having one training session where I thought, "Oh, this was horrendous." <laughs> <laughs> but 
what are they doing? <laughs> I, I only remember it as, as being, being really learnful and, um, and giving, uh, people a complete idea about what football is like, the way to pass the ball, to receive it, uh, to play, to make your teammates better. Um, it's something that I haven't seen, uh, many other places, mm. uh, if any. Um, so definitely a, a big inspiration source. And you were at this time, it's between you and Arturo Lupoli in the reserve team, wasn't it? As top scorer, as the main striker. And there's a theme, I think, throughout your book where you're often in competition with other strikers, other forwards. Is this where it all started? You think this, you, you really wanted to be the main man, didn't you? You really were motivated by that. Of course, I mean, I've never heard about a football player saying my big dream is to sit on the bench and watch the other 11 play. <laughs> fair point, fair point. But you, but, you do, but you do seem to like that you found something like that to inspire you, someone you could identify as, I want to be better than him, I want to be starting ahead of him. Rather than thinking about yourself, you were more looking at um, other people to inspire you. Is that fair or is that not how you saw it? No, that's probably not how I saw it. I just knew that in order to be able to start, you had to be the best. So obviously mm. you had to compare yourself to the other strikers. Mm. And um, when we were young, Lupoli got the notch instead of me uh, to play with the first team in the beginning. And uh, he scored actually quite a few goals and did quite well. Um, so obviously as giving that we had the competition in the youth, um, I knew I had to do better to, to go and break into the first team. Um, and obviously the comparison comes all the time because in order to play, you have to be the best. Um, but then obviously it comes down to if you don't get picked and the guy in front of you scores 35 goals a season, it's quite difficult to sort of break into that starting eleven. But what I think is really interesting in the book is this wasn't just your um, football personality, if you like. This was how you were brought up from a kid, wasn't it? You, you, you were... I loved the story about the, the rules pinned to your fridge at home when you were a child. And the number one rule was you are something special, which it, you say is very undanish in the book. It is very undanish. You know, we have the, the thing called Yandelon, where it's, it's you, you shouldn't believe you are something more than others and you should always keep grounded and everyone should be the same. I, I can honestly say that that's not my belief. <laughs> it's more that you should do anything you can to try to reach your goals and, yeah. and don't let anyone hold you down. So for sure, yeah, those those words on the fridge my mom put up back in the day have always stuck with me. And you mentioned this earlier, the, the self-confidence test that was leaked, which wasn't true. You're, you're saying about the, the <laughs> score. You scored 10 out of nine, I think, is what the newspaper said. But oh, was it like is, this? Okay. <laughs> yeah, but I think the thing is... Um, People could believe it at the time because you had sort of created this persona of somebody. Um, and is that something you were happy to for people to believe? I wasn't quite happy for people to believe. I think that test must have been manipulated a little bit. <laughs> I, I, I see it this way, you know, we can all have a bad day. We can all have a bad game, but you have to sort of try to get over it all the time. You have to work with yourself to trying to always stay ahead even when something bad hit you trying to take the positive out of the situation and i remember this test quite well we had to rate ourselves from one till ten at what we're good at shooting with the left foot shooting with the right foot headers so on and i remember i scored ten and nothing like i gave myself ten and nothing so i can't understand how it could come out like that oh okay so you're either ten or nothing on every department every category 
Well, yeah, you had to categorize yourself. So let's say shooting with my right foot, I might would have given myself an eight. Uh, shooting with my left foot, I might have given myself a six. But it, when it when it goes from one to ten, then I don't know how you can score ten more than nine. That. Yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't really make sense to me that. <laughs> Maybe someone wanted to make a little bit of money and put out a story, which was funny. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I've yeah. Um, well, it's good to clear it up now, I suppose, um, because the fans obviously were were believing it at the at the time um, th- because it sort of suited your personality that you had at the time, your persona that you had. I think that's why the story took off. Well, let me try to explain it this way. If uh, are you married? I am married. Okay. When you when you wanted to like when you want to when when you met your wife and you wanted to make her your girlfriend. Yeah, a long time ago. With, a long long time ago. <laughs> Would you have gone into that believing that you couldn't do it? No, you got to have. You have I know what you're saying. You got to have belief in yourself. Yeah, you got to believe in yourself that you actually can do it, else it will never happen. And and I think that's what's the important part to take here mm. is that in everything I do, I believe I can do it. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market okay that, and that's fair enough because let's get back to the football it wasn't long until you scored your first premier league goal you were i think you're still 19 when you'd scored your, your first goal in, in the premier league and it was an unforgettable goal as well as a substitute against tottenham tell us about that moment it was a very special moment for me i remember very clearly standing next to Wenger on uh, the sideline. And uh, we got the corner and he was like, we need to get get him on. And he, he, he just patched my back and, and just said, go in and make a difference. And uh, it was sort of like the ball was meant to come to me. Uh, I jumped fairly high, I would say. Um, I probably don't get enough credit for jumping that high the way I see everyone getting credit for jumping high right now. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> um, and, and I scored that goal. And I, normally I probably would have planned like a celebration or something, but there went so many things through my mind. Uh, I think like if you can sort of, without me picturing all the stuff that I've been through, 
but sort of come out and won. So all I could do was just literally just run the length of the field until Colotore pulled yeah. me down. <laughs> A very special moment. And I mean, in, in, in front of the fans against Tottenham, I, I couldn't have written, uh, written it any better. Yeah, you always backed yourselves with headers as an interesting bit in the book where you talk about the technique of it. And um, do you, would you say that was your greatest strength? I would say my greatest strength was probably always keep going when when you got got pulled down. I would say that must, that would be my greatest strength. I don't think it 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 would be just headers. Um, in in the aspect of all the stuff that I've been through, to, to sort of always get yourself back on your feet. So by this time you're you're 19. You scored for Denmark. You scored in the Champions League. You scored in the Premier League. And then your friends back home are, are saying, right now we know why you say that you don't need heroes. You're gonna you're gonna um, inspire <laughs> yourself. Uh, you must have been on a real high at that point. Everything going well. I mean, it was an amazing time in my life for sure. Um, and just coming back on on what we spoke about earlier is that I didn't have that one sort of footballing idol that I looked up to I had many I wanted to mm. take as much from everyone as as possible to try to create like uh, a way of of, of uh, your persona if you can put it that way yeah so that moment where it all sort of fits in a glove was was obviously amazing and and it it, it was a, a real high for me to to sort of feel that you have gotten where you wanted to to be. Yeah, because you you carried on in the first team. Um, so this is after you've had a loan spell at Birmingham, which which you talk about as well. Um, on the pitch, how useful was that was that loan spell at Birmingham? On the pitch, we did really well in Birmingham. Um, we got promoted, which uh, was obviously the the goal from the beginning. And I I managed to get some very good teammates and a very good coach and. Um, on the pitch in Birmingham was was a very was a great success. I mean, apart from an ankle injury that kept me out for a few months, I enjoyed my time there tremendously. I guess off the pitch is when it starts to um, not unravel. I, I think that's unfair. But you're 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 young. You're a teenager. You're living on your own now, away from um, your landlords in a different city. Did you enjoy the nightlife a bit too much? I mean, now we spoke about what's what was good on the pitch, but obviously off the pitch was a was a different thing. Um, I got got introduced to a life I wasn't aware of uh, existed, um, and and I prob well, I not probably I didn't deal with it as as well as I could have, um, and it was quite difficult when you only had your manager who tried to keep you uh, on on a straight path, but obviously couldn't. Uh, know what you're doing all the time so it, it i mean it was it was not not ideal the way i i i i managed myself um and and it it sort of started then went out through uh, my career uh for 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 some time of it yeah cuz i think this is a really interesting theme in the book is that how how strong you are mentally on the pitch and and you've already spoken about it just now about your resilience you don't you don't like to get dragged down and you're so uh, single-minded when it comes to football but off the pitch when it's influences about going out or whatever it did seem it only needed one person one of your teammates to say do you fancy going out tonight and you found it difficult to say no why, why were there two different um personalities do you think there it's obviously very difficult when you, when you get introduced to a life when you're 18 
uh, and and you start earning a lot of money. Mm. It's very difficult to to sort of keep grounded if you don't have good people around you. Mm. Uh, it's difficult to make the right decision at all times. Um, so why that happened, I don't know. Could be you want to fit in also with with the other other players. You want to be part of a group. You want to feel uh, accepted in a way. Mm. Um, you don't want to 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 go out and and, and not be part of it. Um, and you have to remember, this is now. Now I'm 32 talking to you. It's it's a different situation than talking to an 18 year old uh, yeah, of course, boy. Of course, yeah. Um, so so I think I think that's it. Okay, um, let's get back to life at Arsenal. And there was another flashpoint in in that season after you've you've scored against Tottenham. You play against Tottenham again in the Carling Cup, and there's an, an incident which Arsenal fans will remember well. Um, your disagreement, shall we say, with Emmanuel Adebayor, who. You uh, you don't make any secret of the fact he's not your he's not your closest teammate in the team, is he? No, he's not really my cup of tea. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, I got got on with most people, to be honest, in in, in the team, and uh, and and made some really good friends. But uh, me and him, probably not so much. <laughs> no. Can you tell us about the um, the incident I'm referring to in the? In the semi-final, um, we might have to get our bleep machine out, so don't worry about that. But if you can tell us, um, tell us what happened. I remember him being substituted on, and uh, I think there was a, a key moment where I don't think I passed the ball to him, and that sort of did the heated exchange of words where a lot was said between us. And then uh, we we squared up to each other at that corner kick, where he then pushed headbutted me, so he sort of pushed me away while headbutting me. Um, on the nose, uh, and 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 Gallus came in like sort of split us and took us apart. Uh, it, it was quite like it was a Newcastle incident. Um, sorry, but you know which one I'm, I'm referring to uh, with the, with Dyer and was it Bo Boya Blackburn? Boya, Boya five... and Dyer. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Um, yeah. So he didn't get that quite that far, but it could have done if your teammates hadn't got involved. Do you think? Well, it might have. It's obviously difficult to say. Obviously, I was very upset. But, um, I mean, we had such a poor performance. I think we lost 4 or 5-1. I mean, I was disappointed enough with myself and, and with the team that about the performance we gave. So that didn't obviously do anything better. So we sort of trying to talk it through in the dressing room. Uh, not so much with words, but more something else. But then we, we got separated got called into to the boss's office the next day and got fined and that was the end of it. Then uh, we, we didn't really have any encounters to talk anymore from that moment. So that was the end of it. You didn't you didn't try it. Nobody around you said, look, you need you two need to get on. Did they just think, well, this is there's no relationship there. We'll just leave them to it. Or did you ever try to patch things up? We never tried to patch things up, no. We learned to have the respect for the club and the team that we would be on the same team. Uh, and we would give everything when we were on the pitch together, but we wouldn't uh, be friends. So it's not like if he was through on goal, I wouldn't pass the ball to him. That would never have been an effect from my point of view. I would always have passed it in, in the greater good. Um, so we sort of just le learned to, to to play having it the way we had, but with the respect and, and understanding of of the group. Yeah, because I was going exactly what I was going to ask. Did it ever become a point where you thought this actually might harm the team's performance? And did 
did the manager, did Arsene Wenger ever say, you two need to sort this out because I need you to play well together? Or did it, once you were on the pitch, you were professional, were you? Yeah. Well, when we went into to the to the office with Wenger, he, um, he, he explained it that way that I just explained it to you. Mm. I mean, we probably haven't been the first incident that he had seen over the years oh, okay. uh, who didn't get on together. Yeah. Um, but he, I mean, he was great at, at motivational speak, uh, the boss. So, um, so we, we completely understood. We were both probably ashamed of both the game and what had happened. Um, well, I was at least, I, I can't, can't talk for him. Um, so we got a head down and, and, and forgot about the incident and put ourselves aside. But you seem to get on with most of the other players, um, maybe apart from Wojciech Szczesny, who you say wasn't a big fan of either. But um, the rest of you are very popular among the, the, the players in the dressing room. Who did you mainly hang out with? Who were you closest to in the dressing room? I mean, the ones that I probably was closest to was, was the English sort of group. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, we sort of like won the same wavelengths in, in terms of talking and and that sort of thing. But I think in any any big club, you, you obviously are a team together, but you'll always have your little groups of people. I mean, if there was four Danish people, I'd probably have speaking more, mostly yeah. to those four, right? Yeah, of um, course, yeah. So, uh, so that sort of uh, group of of players, and then I mean, I mean, I got I got on with most of them really, really well. Um, so it's hard for me to say it was only those because there was only one person I really didn't speak to. And you were the one that they soon came to if they if a new player joined and he wanted to go out and find the the nightclubs or um, a good time in the evening. You were the guy that they went to. So was this now, we, we just spoke about how difficult it is to resist when you're young and when players are influencing you. But now you're almost expected to be this guy who likes to go out. So in a way, you've got no choice now, have you? You're, you're, you're the one that is expected of. So even if you did want to go back, was it? did you feel a little bit trapped about that? I think it's, it's quite difficult for everyone to change their persona in the way you get projected by other people. I think that's in mm. any group. That's not just in football. I think if you've been used to being this guy, but you want to break out, people want to kind of try to keep you in that pattern. And that's, yep. that goes everywhere. So obviously it's difficult when you try to, to break out of that. But on the other side, I was quite happy that I could help my teammates having a night either out or at a restaurant where they could just sit and enjoy a meal with their wife. So it wasn't a, an issue in any way. But that's what I was going to ask. Did you want to, did you ever feel, I don't want to be this character anymore? Or were you enjoying it too much to really worry about that? No, I mean, as the years went on, obviously things quiet down even more. So I I mean, my personal development started quite early. And I was obviously all the time, you know, trying to, to find the balance between life on and life off the pitch. But you were happy to go with it. You were happy... To be seen as that character is what I'm asking. You didn't, you never wanted to change, did you, at that time? It depends what uh, timeline we're talking here. Uh, it's about it's just before your crash. So, sort of 2009, um, you're, you're established in the team. At that time, it was difficult for me to know what was right and what was wrong on, mm, yeah. on, on that level, for sure. But I mean, in the aspect of, I don't really know how to put it, to be honest. It's just that when I, when I was reading the book, I was thinking uh, you seem to be struggling internally with yourself about um, 
I really want you, you. You can't question your commitment to wanting to become a better player. You talk about it all the time, and and you're very professional and determined to to be as good as you can on the pitch. And then it just seems all the off the pitch influences and distractions you can't resist, or I don't know if you don't want to resist. That's what I'm asking. Yeah, no, I, I get what you're. I get what you're trying to say, and just don't know how to put it, because partying was not just you know that wasn't just a thing it it was just like the general life of being excited about what happens around mm. uh, the whole scene of that sort of uh game you know it could be an art fair it could be a sneaker selection you know you just sort of when you have an interest uh, when you have an interest in life itself not only on a football basis you're obviously very curious about what's going on around you and I think I was just very curious. I think yeah. that's that might be the right way to put it. So that's part one of our interview with Nicholas. You can hear part two on Tuesday, where, among other things, he'll tell us all about the car crash that had such a huge effect on his career, and also about the end of his playing days at the Emirates. In the meantime, you can subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts, and we'd love you to help us out by leaving a review and a rating. Our thanks to Nicholas for sparing his time, and of course to Octopus Books. Thanks also to our partners at Lavazza. Remember, if you're in the UK, you can purchase your favourite coffee at lavazza.co.uk. But that's all for this week. Thanks for listening. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.